Hi everyone, and welcome back to Break the System. I'm one of your hosts, Ethan. You've probably felt fatigue before. It creeps throughout your body, it leaves you tired, inattentive, and sleepy. You can't wait for the sweet, sweet embrace of your comfy bed. Or maybe that's just me. Then comes sleep. Sleep is an underrated part of how our body deals with fatigue, but you commonly see the Tim Hortons or Starbucks or second cup in the morning absolutely packed with people on your morning commute to wake themselves up from their morning fatigue. A large cause of this tiredness is the phenomenon known as sleep deprivation. In 2012, a study found that a third of American workers get less than the recommended amount of sleep. That's an extremely staggering amount. It's also something we've all felt at some point. Sometimes it can be involuntary due to the amount of work on our plates, or sometimes it's because you wanted to stay up, watching a movie, or doing other things. You've also probably noticed that in the morning after a less than ideal night of sleep, your head is fuzzy, you might wake up on the wrong side of the bed, small things that normally don't annoy you will drive you up the wall. This sounds familiar, right? These are common symptoms of sleep deprivation. So what's happening with us when we don't sleep enough? Many medical journals suggest that adults between the ages of 18 to 65 need 7 to 9 hours of sleep. Just out of curiosity, how many do you get? I tend to average about 6 on a good week or 4 to 5 on a particularly demanding and busy week. As you can see, I'm always quote unquote sleep deprived. So how does this affect our performance on a day to day basis? Well, sleep is regulated by something called the circadian rhythm, which is in part controlled by our hypothalamus. I briefly mentioned the hypothalamus in our last episode about stress and the hypothalamic pituitary axis. We'll be getting back to stress later in the episode. There's two main phases in sleep, a non-rapid eye movement or NREM sleep and REM sleep. Each of these cycles have their own neurochemistry and biology, which I really won't be touching on today, but an important hormone is called melatonin. You've probably heard about it before. One sleep cycle is thought to be one instance of NREM and REM sleep, and a complete night's sleep is about 5-6 to six cycles, with each cycle lasting about 90 minutes. Imagine it like this. If you use both the washer and dryer for washing your clothes, that's one load. But for your brain, you're washing 5-6 to six loads of laundry. So our sleep is regulated by the hypothalamus. What regulates our waking portion? It's thought that the forebrain and areas in the posterior or back portion of the brain are thought to be involved. All of these areas work to sort of reset our brains and in that process, help your brain process what you've learned in that past day, stop it from moving so that you don't roll off the bed or move during your dreams, and clean the brain as well. I don't mean clean in the way of cleaning your thoughts, I mean quite literally. The brain builds up toxins when we're awake, and sleep helps the fluids in our brains flush out those toxins and waste products from all the energy your brain uses. Sometimes I feel super rested, sometimes I don't. Maybe it's because I'm waking up in the middle, end, or at the start of a sleep cycle. 
Let us know when you feel the most groggy or most awake on Twitter and Instagram at mytechni.io or send us a comment on our website at mytechni.io. A quick way to just determine how many sleep cycles that you've gotten is just to divide the number of minutes that you've slept if you approximate that you've slept an X number of hours and just divide it by 90. So quick recap before we move on. Sleep consists of two cycles, REM and NREM, and regulated by the hypothalamus, and waking is regulated by the forebrain and parts of the posterior brain. Sleep essentially helps us reset our brains, reinforce what we learn throughout the day, and flush toxins and waste from the brain. It sounds like a pretty good process, right? And nothing really beats the feeling of your comfy sheets and your pillow. So what exactly happens when we start depriving ourselves of sleep and how can we use that information so that we can perform better? Imagine all those benefits I just talked about and reduce them. This is exactly what sleep deprivation is. Remember our washer and dryer? It's like if you took out your clothes halfway through your dryer cycle, it's kind of wet, kind of dry, it's really neither of both. It's not something you'd want. The following are some of the explicit cons of sleep deprivation. It has short and long-term consequences that are now pretty well studied. It's been found that sleep loss impairs cognitive functions like attention, the ability to learn, and different types of memory. Even more, it also affects mood regulation, anxiety, and stress. Last episode, I talked about all the negative effects of stress. Now imagine those effects on top of the already mentioned effects of sleep deprivation. All of these can result in worsening of your mood, decreased performance in work or school, and increasing your stress and anxiety. All of these symptoms of sleep deprivation are things you've probably felt before in your day-to-day life. They can also feed back on themselves and become chronic. This is when these symptoms become long-term and worsen. Long-term negative effects include weight gain, the loss of impulse control, mood disorders, a weaker immune response, worsening of your cardiovascular health, and even more. It's important that we're able to recognize that we're not getting our ideal amount of sleep, and by ideal I don't mean our minimum, I mean the scientific recommended ideal. Now that we know what sleep deprivation can do to us on this day-to-day basis, How can we help ourselves not fall into this dangerous pattern and or help ourselves sleep better? The first cure is really, really simple. Sleep. We are really depriving ourselves of sleep, hence the name. But if that isn't an option for you, you should at least help yourself make sleeping easier for yourself. A method that doesn't involve medication is called sleep hygiene. Much like how you'd practice washing your hands before eating, there's a few things you should try to do before going to bed as well. The first of which is to associate your bed with only things you would normally do in bed, rather than bringing your work into the bed. Our brains will start to make a conscious association with the bed that it is also a place of work, and it doesn't allow yourself to fully relax so that we can sleep more restfully. Another thing that you can do is to black out your room as much as possible when sleeping. On that note, It's also recommended that you don't use your phone before bed as any source of bright light or blue light in this matter that comes from our phones 
affects the part of our brain that regulates wakefulness. You can find more sleep hygiene tips by simply googling, but all of these sleep hygiene tips should help you sleep better and practice healthier habits so that sleep becomes an important part of your daily routine and help you perform better. So let's recap on what we talked about today. We talked about how sleep was regulated by the hypothalamus and that one cycle has two parts, NREM and REM, and that we typically need five to six of these cycles. Sleep helps us learn, reset ourselves, and flush out harmful toxins and waste from our brain. Depriving ourselves of sleep has cognitive and physiological impact. On the cognitive side, it impairs our attention, learning ability, and memory functions. We're also more prone to getting stressed. On the physiological side, it weakens our immune and cardiovascular systems. To help ourselves sleep, we should practice sleep hygiene, some of which includes using your bed only for what you do normally in bed, darkening our rooms, and not using our phones before sleeping. All of these things together really show us that sleep is something that we shouldn't be taking for granted and depriving ourselves of that sleep has serious short-term and long-term consequences that negatively affect us in our work and social lives. So until next time, stay productive and stay curious. And side note, sleep is a pretty hard thing to understand even for scientists. There's more and more being discovered about sleep every day and its effects on our body. If you'd like to know more about sleep deprivation and the science behind it, the review paper called Neurobiological Consequences of Sleep Deprivation is really great. We'll also soon be launching our blog portion, which will have these papers linked and cited so that you'll be able to reference them. Stay tuned for that. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Break the System. I've been your host, Ethan. We'll be back with more episodes of Break the System every Thursday. If you're interested in our other podcast series, make sure to check out the Canvas series, which airs every month. You can find us on Apple Music, Spotify, Google Play, and any of your favorite podcast hosting apps. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.